Welcome to Central Line, Leadership in Healthcare, the show that shares stories, experiences, and advice from notable and innovative leaders in healthcare. Let's get started with your host, Leah Witchick. Neil Ritchie is Executive Director of the Canadian Coalition for Green Healthcare. He is an experienced healthcare executive who has worked as a CEO, Chief Operating Officer, Senior Operating Officer, and Vice President of large multi-site academic teaching centres, regional health authorities, and community hospitals in three provinces in Canada. He's also worked as Director of Business Development for Dalhousie University's Faculty of Medicine. He has been an executive with several health technology startup companies and created a successful international partnership with a Dutch software development company to deploy a governance, risk, and compliance software solution to pharmacies, hospitals, nursing homes, and disability care organizations throughout Canada. Neil holds a Bachelor of Science degree from Dalhousie University and a Master's in Health Services Administration from the University of Alberta. Welcome, Neil. Thank you so much for being here at Central Line Leadership in Healthcare. How's your day going? Oh, just great. I'm thrilled to have you here as I'm particularly interested in hearing about you and the work you're doing, because I think it's something that we don't necessarily always consider in healthcare. And obviously, with climate change and all of the things that are going on in our world, uh, I think this is something that we really do need to step up and start exploring and figuring out solutions and approaches. But before we get into talking about green healthcare itself, I'm curious to hear a little bit about your story. <laughs> well, of course, I, I think I became interested in healthcare when I was about four years old. And it was interesting, uh, I had polio. Uh, back in the day, uh, you know, they didn't have the salt vaccine, and uh, I was hospitalized for a while, and but very fortunately recovered from that, and uh, have had no ill effects. But you know, as you know, many people back then were paralyzed or lost their lives to polio. It was quite a quite a scare back um, back in the fifties, and so um, I had sort of like a uh, I was both intrigued by hospitals and kind of terrified of them, right? Uh, so, so I kind of <laughs> and we also live very close to the YMCA uh, in New Brunswick, in Moncton, New Brunswick, where I grew up. And uh, uh, so, my dad was very community minded, and uh, I actually uh, participated in the, in the leader corps at the YMCA and um, volunteered there, and so became sort of interested in sort of health and, and leadership. Uh, but went to university at, at, here in Halifax at Dalhousie, took a life sciences degree, a degree in biology, and uh, was planning to do the, the backpack trek through Europe. Um, and uh, it turned out my dad was visiting my sister, who lived over there at the time, and he had a heart attack in Copenhagen. And so consequently, I um, decided to put my, my travel plans on hold and went, went to Copenhagen and actually got to, to, to sort of see the, the insides of the Danish healthcare system. And I was quite intrigued uh, by the type of um, care he received in a rather old hospital, but they had this beautiful uh, outdoor um, garden where he, patients would go out with IVs running and, and um, 
and there was sort of a cardiac rehab program outside. And uh, I became intrigued with, with the way health systems seem to work. Um, so when I came back, um, I actually went to the health department and said, I'm interested in learning about health and health systems. And um, they said, well, we really don't have a job <laughs> with that job description. And I said, okay, that's not a problem. I had volunteered uh, when I was at the Dalhousie to teach um, swimming to uh, patients with uh, brain injuries. And so I said, I was used to volunteering through the Y and they said, I'll volunteer for a while so I can learn about a little more about healthcare. And so I did that. And after a few months, they actually gave me a job as a research officer and then paid for my graduate education to go um, out west to University of Alberta. There was a number of um, U of A grads in the health department in Nova Scotia at the time. So I packed up my bags and went out and uh, spent a couple of years there. And I had a return of service commitment to work in the public health system in Nova Scotia. Uh, but while I was there, I met my wife, who was a nurse at the um, university hospital there. So we were married in Edmonton and then came back to Truro, uh, Nova Scotia. And I worked in rural uh, Nova Scotia for five years uh, in the public health system before then accepting a job at a community hospital in Sackville, New Brunswick. And I worked there for uh, seven years and then um, was recruited back out uh, west to the Calgary General as vice president. And um, my wife, of course, wanted to, to move back there because her family was there. Uh, so we've been a kind of an East meets West family uh, for, all, for almost over 40 years now, actually. And um, I uh, was very uh, excited about the challenge at the, the Calgary General. We were going to build a new hospital there, and then, of course, uh, they, um, there was a change in government, and there was a, a major uh, restructuring that had to go on, and a, a lot of downsizing. And so uh, one of the portfolios I had was the uh, human resources portfolio, and we had uh, a number of layoffs and, and uh, restructurings, and uh, I think we took about $100 million out of the system in Calgary uh, over a period of a couple of years, uh, probably a thousand people out the door, um, 300 of which were managers and leaders. And uh, so I was kind of in the middle of that. And then um, uh, I had to reapply for my job several times and um, it was successful, but uh, no thought that I would, might want to go back East. And so I was recruited to Cape Breton as the CEO uh, there to um, merge the six regional um, hospitals. And um, uh, that was a term position. My family stayed uh, in, the, um, in, the, uh, in Calgary. But uh, the interesting thing there is I, I um, worked with the Sisters of St. Martha's and uh, really became um, very impressed with the work they were doing. Um, and it also gave me kind of a chance to reflect on, you know, who and what I was leading. And I, I realized that, you know, um, I was, I was leading uh, uh, hospitals, but I also had, had a leadership role in my family. 
I, and I wasn't married to my job. I was married to my wife and, and my kids. Uh, and so that was a priority uh, for me. So I, I went back to Calgary. Uh, they had offered me the full-time job, but uh, my wife's mom was sick and we, wasn't, we weren't ready for a move. So I went back to Calgary with the idea of um, maybe making a little bit of a shift. And I met a, a wonderful a mentor of mine, Bill Cochran, who was the deputy minister of health. And uh, uh, for a period of time, uh, he had been also the president of UFC. And um, at the time, he was working with uh, MDS Capital Corps, which is a, a venture fund investing in uh, healthcare technologies. So uh, Bill recruited me and I, I worked with them for a couple of years and, um, and uh, learned about the whole technology uh, field and uh, the sort of private sector. And then um, they decided to close the office in Calgary, offered me a job in Toronto, didn't want to go there. <laughs> and I said, I'll go back to Halifax. So that was about 22 years ago now. And I uh, then came and worked here at the Faculty of Medicine as a director of business development, and then also worked with a, a number of startup companies. And, um, and from there, uh, that was pretty much my career for, for a period of time. Uh, I had experience in small hospitals, large complex, complex uh, multi-site hospitals, and then the private sector. Um, so I was thinking about retiring, but my son uh, said, you know, I'm going to go to um, India and make this film about a man that has been planting trees to reduce the effects of flood from global warming. I said, well, that's interesting. He, he had built a forest twice the size of Central Park. And so... Uh, yeah, it's amazing. So, so uh, they made this little film and uh, came back and applied to different uh, film festivals and didn't get in. But they finally got recognized by some obscure LA film festival, which put them on the, the map of the Cannes Film Festival. And they won the best short emerging documentary at the Cannes Film Festival. <laughs> and, and then the uh, uh, National Geographic called and just said, we like your, your film, we're going to put a clip on, on our uh, website. And that was viewed, I think, 10 million times. And then the Rio Olympics opening ceremony called and said, we want to put a clip on, uh, we were inspired by this film. We want to have the athletes uh, plant trees and we want to have a clip in the opening ceremony. And <laughs> I said, that's amazing. So, so it just, it, it, you know, it made me think, well, wait a minute, you know, what am I doing for the environment that, you know, have I had the, any kind of impact like that? And so it was, these, you know, a guy with a stick digging holes to plant trees in some remote uh, place and, and a couple of uh, young, um, uh, young uh, men who had never made a film before had, you know, this it's great impact. So I said, well, I know some people, you know, and I, ha I have an interest in this. So I started, again, volunteering with the, the Canadian Coalition for Green Healthcare, and that was about five years ago. And then I started learning uh, fr from that. And, and uh, so now I'm, I've been the executive director now for a couple, almost a couple of years. Uh, and uh, here it is. So this is something I had never done before, uh, run a not-for-profit. 
Uh, but I did have some management skills and I had a bit of a network and some experience in uh, in building uh, uh, coalitions and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, so that's what I'm doing now. What a story. I mean, it's clear to me that you've very much lived a life of service from all of the volunteering work that you've done. And of course, all the work that you've done in healthcare, which has evidently been in service of others. I appreciate what you said about your son's film and the story of this person with the stick, planting all those trees and inspiring you to think about what you could do to support the environment. Now, I'm thinking that probably many people don't know much about the Canadian Coalition for Green Healthcare. So would you be able to share a little bit more about the history and what you do there? Sure. Yeah, the, the coalition's been around for about 20 years, and uh, it was actually started uh, as a result of uh, a group of physicians, the um, Canadian Association of uh, Physicians for the Environment. They recognized we needed to do more within the health system, uh, as opposed to just lobbying um, governments and looking for policy change wanted to develop um, tools and do more education and, and that sort of thing. So the coalition was formed uh, and it's been a small group, but it's basically all, all hospitals and um, we, as, as well as individuals that, that can join. Uh, there are no corporate members, but we do work with the corporate sector um, on different projects and uh, they will sponsor awards and, and we recognize their efforts and we will do educational sessions together with them. But basically the coalition's uh, role is to build capacity, you know, in individuals and in organizations um, as well, healthcare organizations in, in Canada. And, um, we have sort of three uh, strategic areas of emphasis. One would be education or the learning center. Um, um, and this would be, you know, of course, lately a lot of online uh, learning and webinars and courses and things like that. We also run something called the Green Hospital Scorecard Program, which is a you know, benchmarking program that of about 100 hospitals across the country that submit data around uh, a number of environmental related um, key performance indicators, energy management, waste, water, et cetera. Um, and, uh, and then thirdly, we are looking to work uh, more with the private sector and particular procurement uh, uh, groups, a group or purchasing organizations to um, advance the so-called circular economy, which is really moving beyond the sort of recycling or consumer-driven uh, approach to uh, re rethinking, uh, redesigning products, keeping materials in use, and managing waste more intelligently. So uh, focusing on building more uh, of a circular economy in the supply chain in, in healthcare is sort of, I guess, the third uh, major priority. It sounds fascinating. And I'm really curious as to what has been the uptake of some of these initiatives that you've seen. 
Well, it, it's been, uh, it depends on, uh, on the area. You know, there's about 10 different areas that we've been focused on. And uh, there, there's, um, uh, I guess the biggest challenge has been to engage the senior level of uh, executives in, in, um, in healthcare and in this work. There are many uh, organizations have uh, energy managers, for example, or uh, people that are working as sustainability leads. And um, uh, it's, it's a challenge for, or for many organizations to sort of say, well, we're going to make a, a policy commitment uh, to this. So um, it, the, 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 I guess over the years, there's been a um, uh, incremental change, I guess it's fair to say, in a number of areas and, uh, and certainly incremental improvements. Uh, my concern about this is, this is why I'm hesitating a little bit, that, that we really need more fundamental change, right? We need transformational change. We need a much stronger commitment uh, of healthcare organizations to this work. Um, the challenge, of course, you know, with, with COVID, uh, is for the, that, and, and like every other crisis, <laughs> Uh, if you ever worked in a hospital, <laughs> there seems to be the crisis of the day. Uh, and and so sort of to try to focus on something that's longer term, that's more difficult to grasp, uh, you know, is, is a challenge. And it's, uh, you know, there's this sort of bystander effect uh, uh, for, for a lot of these sorts of things. Well, someone, you know, the government should do something about that, some, you know, but it's really maybe not my responsibility. So. So that's really interesting about some of the challenges that you're seeing. And what I'm hearing is part of it is engaging those senior executives. Part of it is shifting focus, maybe not away from the crisis of COVID or any other crisis that happens to be occurring, but having some of that focus move to longer term initiatives like sustainability. What would you say is getting in the way of some of those bigger commitments, such as the policy changes you mentioned? Well, I mean, it's it's just you know a question. If you're a senior executive, you've got 25 things on the to do list, and and it's just trying to um, ensure that all the all the the issues of the day are addressed. Um, there's a concern, of course, that uh, this takes time and money, you know, and it, and because uh, th this kind of shift, like any kind of shift, it requires resources of some sort. It requires expertise. You, you know, there's a there's a, a need for um, extra attention, and and the the the, the biggest uh, challenge is, of course, especially with COVID. That's that's got that's the um, that's the main thing that people are paying attention to today. Now, the interesting thing I find. Um, is that, and this is what gives me some sense of optimism for this work, is that, um, you know, I started my career in public health and then recognized, you know, all the action is really in all the resources is on the hospital side. And now, you know, I'm coming full circle to, to recognize that um, this is kind of a public health issue, you know, and the health system is recognizing, you know, the importance of public health and the importance of looking at at these broader issues, uh, these global challenges, 
And so I, I'm very optimistic that we can, you know, our mindset is now in, in a place that we can start to recognize, you know, uh, COVID is a short-term uh, threat, but climate change is, is a longer-term existential threat. And if we can line up, you know, uh, all of the, the relationships with suppliers and all the, the government, you know, uh, uh, policies and, and, and uh, protocols to, to get things like this done to address the, the pandemic, then we should be able to, to do it for climate change as well, right? We, we can learn from this. Okay. What a fascinating parallel. And I appreciate what you're saying about COVID has given evidence to the fact that we can actually mobilize resources. We can come together to respond to COVID. And the same would be true for green healthcare and environmental issues. Where would you say we're at in Canada, maybe compared to the rest of the world? What I'm wondering is that somewhere out there, is there a country in particular that is maybe doing a really good job with this? Mm -hmm. Well, of course, the Nordic countries and the Dutch, I would say, are, are leaders uh, globally. Um, uh, the U.S., of course, is, is ahead in, in certain areas, um, uh, maybe not nationally, but you have organizations like Kaiser Permanente, for example, that are, are uh, very, very much in tune with, with this thinking and have made a commitment to uh, sustainability. Um, there are a number of uh, global uh, suppliers, you know, companies like Philips, uh, are tremendously um, committed to uh, sustainability and to the circular economy. Canada, um, you know, we're, we're coming along, I think. Certainly our federal government has made a, a major commitment and, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars are now going into uh, funding different sorts of programs to address uh, climate change. And as you're probably aware, uh, Canada has made a, a commitment to become net zero um, last fall. And there's, a, you know, a laws around that. So I think um, if you look across Canada, uh, there, there are provinces that are maybe a little further ahead with respect to things like net zero of BC, for example, um, as a requirement that the hospitals and public, public sector organizations are, are net zero. Um, now they're achieving that through carbon offsets and things like that, but um, I can see certainly uh, more movement uh, across the country and more interest. Uh, folks in Newfoundland are very interested in this. Their Eastern Health is doing some tremendous work and uh, it's very impressive. Uh, and of course, you have the, the major university hospital uh, uh, group in, in Toronto and, um, and the, well, a number of the regional health authorities are. Um, so, so I think we can actually uh, learn a lot from what's happening um, in, in places like the Netherlands and, and in Sweden and in uh, the other Nordic countries. Uh, part of this has to do with the EU's commitment uh, around um, the environment, which has been, I think, a little stronger than, than North America's. So, um, but uh, yeah, I think we're, we're, we're kind of getting there, but we certainly have a ways to go. Also with the US, uh, the new administration there, of course, we're seeing uh, more 
uh, aggressive targets, uh, not only there, but as a result of, of that leadership, more uh, stronger targets here in Canada as well. Mm. It's encouraging to hear that you're seeing even parts of Canada taking steps forward. And I'm interested in knowing a little bit more about what do you think the difference is between those Nordic countries and ourselves? You've already highlighted the EU commitments, but what, what other things factor into that? Well, I think a lot has to do with the, the, the political uh, the climate uh, and, and um, the engagement of, of citizens. Uh, you know, you had uh, children in, in the Netherlands, uh, most recently in Germany, you know, suing their governments successfully. <laughs> so, and, and um, they have more of a multi-party system uh, as well. And so there needs to be more compromises and, and you know, around legislation. And um, I think it's just also this the, the collective uh, mentality. Um, part of the challenge we have here in Canada, as you know, is that we don't have a, a Canadian health system that's responsible for, for delivery. We have, you know, 10 health systems in, in three territories. And so that makes it very difficult um, to build national consensus. But as I mentioned earlier, that's not impossible. And I, you know, I'm seeing great levels of cooperation among governments. And, um, uh, but it is uh, like one of the, 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 the health system, I guess it's been the boldest around this uh, the net zero is the UK. So the national health system, NHS in the UK has made a commitment to become net zero by um, 2040. And uh, and so along with that uh, are you know metrics and they, they they have their system for for measuring greenhouse gases for example in um, in the UK we don't really have that here in Canada yet uh, but there are some some uh, standards being worked on by the World Health Organization and uh, we um, you know expect to be able to catch up there so. Um, yeah, I think uh, the other thing is, uh, you know, the the technologies uh, that are uh, coming from the Nordics are pretty interesting, and uh, there's a lot of support for um, from governments, you know, for uh, developing these uh, sorts of technologies in universities and uh, research institutes as well. So. It sounds very much that it's this multifaceted approach in a lot of ways. And that there's a lot of different factors that are contributing to that focus in the Nordic countries versus here. I'm curious if there's a particular story of success, maybe that comes from a healthcare organization or healthcare initiative within Canada. Uh, yeah, I think actually the, there's the, the group in BC that is uh, the most impressive is is. Um, uh, the lower mainland facilities group, uh, this would be, uh, you know, four regions in, in uh, the Vancouver area, Providence and, and Fraser and Vancouver Postal. Um, and, and they have uh, sort of developed a kind of an alliance, a local alliance. And um, they are, you know, uh, we work actually quite closely with them and, and some of their leaders. and. They've been able to appoint uh, specialists, uh, say in waste management, for example, 
and and look looking at the uh, you know the, the the management of plastics and things like that, and we are actually working with them as well as UHN in Toronto on a, a national program to look at PPE waste. Um, and so uh, we are, uh, you know, I think that the, the organizations that have appointed uh, sort of uh, leaders in specific areas have had some, um, some success. Uh, so they've done a lot of education for of their staff and they have, um, you know, just a number of different uh, uh, projects that have uh, have shown some some success. Um, you know, energy management has been kind of a, an area that has been around for some time. And uh, it's interesting that uh, many of the, the hospitals are starting to adopt new technologies and and seeing, you know, uh, savings uh, on their energy budgets of, you know, 15, 30 percent and that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, there are there are certainly um, uh, success stories, but they are they're sort of pockets of success <laughs> right across the country. It's not uh, like a, a, a pan Canadian uh, sort of success that we're seeing. Right. Right. So thank you for sharing that. We spoke a little bit earlier about COVID, but of course, because COVID is ever present right now, how has it impacted your work? Well, I know internally, actually, it's been better for us. I mean, we are a virtual organization. <laughs> so it's like we hadn't heard of Zoom before the, you know, before the pandemic, and now we're on Zoom all the time, right? And, you know, we're using, t you know, tools and Google Drive and Dropbox, you know, I think more effectively as well. Our our reach, you know, we used to do uh, you know regional workshops and things like that, and now it's all webinars. And we found it was the interesting thing. I was actually surprised, you know. I thought, well, nobody from hospital is going to have time for webinars. Our webinars have taken off, you know. It's like everybody <laughs> seems to want want to uh, to learn, you know, or participate in a, in a webinar of some sort, right? And it's really great and of course we're having people participate from Africa from the Caribbean from Europe you know and uh, as well as across the country so it's really interesting to uh, to see how that that you know the the use of technology has has certainly improved things for us now in, in terms of the the, the work uh, I, I think as I say we, we we have this PPE project for example that has, you know, had a lot of attention. And of course, because of the pandemic, you know, everybody is concerned about the PPE waste, right? It's a huge issue. So it's kind of forcing us to, to rethink, you know, what are these materials made of? Where, how are they sourced? Um, where are they really coming from? Uh, and, and, you know, what happens afterwards? Uh, and, and can they be better designed or used and are there processes in hospitals? That can change um, to improve things. So, you know that that's something that I think could be a learning a process for you know obviously not only PPE waste but uh, many of the single use plastic items that we're seeing that are you know and and that are just coming on the market you know almost every week. And so I think there's a there's going to be a real real rethinking certainly of, of waste hospital waste as a consequence of the pandemic. 
also people are thinking more just about the supply chains and you know security of supply uh, for, for these items and recognizing you know with, with these global supply chains uh, for not only um, uh, soft items but equipment as well you know ventilators so where where are these things coming from how can they become uh, you know more more available in a crisis and and you know I don't think this is going to be our last crisis of this sort. I think we, we need to be, be more and more prepared. Uh, we've been tracking, um, you know, severe weather events. And, and you know, uh, today in the news, <laughs> the, the southwest of the U.S. Is, is burning up. And, of course, there's wildfires. There's all kinds of, um, you know, floods and, and extreme uh, weather events that are causing disruptions in uh, hospital services and of course affecting people's health uh, both physical and mental i should add and so we we think uh you know in in some ways uh that we, we are becoming better prepared for these kind of crises and i think we, we need to build more resilience in our uh, health system and 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 more of a sort of emergency preparedness mindset uh in in uh in our communities uh for for the, the sorts of uh, challenges that we'll be facing in the future uh many of which are driven by climate change yeah absolutely you know i hear what you're saying about the fact that we will be experiencing these types of incidents more and more because of climate change and there is that sense of we need to have a greater focus on how we're going to manage through those types of situations now you've been a leader in healthcare for many many years so i'm curious to know for you personally what has maybe been your biggest leadership lesson <laughs> um i guess the the thing is is being aware of you know who and what you're leading you know um recognizing that you know um it your you know your life uh, is 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 broader than your work right and and i've seen very very a lot of uh successful leaders uh from a career point of view who had haven't been that successful uh in their home life and so i think it's understanding you know like when the bigger picture um not only for your organization but for yourself for your family uh for your friends and community and and trying to kind of always have uh, you know the right perspective um uh the other thing i guess is that the lesson is is that you know um your reputation is really your most valuable asset right and and uh you know, uh, the starting point for any kind of relationship is trust and um, and respect. And and uh, if if you don't have that, you don't have much to build on. So um, understanding that you know it's not a yeah uh, you know uh, leadership isn't uh, um, some you know they say it's kind of lonely at the top <laughs> and, and it can be, but you really need to have the uh, right people. Uh, around you and and you know your organization with you if you're going to move forward and um, so that that idea that you know you're you're part of something that really is kind of larger than yourself and um, you know uh, it's also it's it's a transient thing you know and things change and uh, 
uh, you know, as as uh, as we walk through life, we realize there's a uh, you know uh, nothing very much stays the same. Uh, but if you can kind of be if you're anchored, you know, in your family and and um, with your values and you're you know you've got those things right, then uh, you know you whatever adversity comes along, you know, it's much easier to, uh, to deal with. I think that's such wise advice. I mean, certainly the point about being anchored in your values and your family, but also the point that you made about things change and what is now may not be the future. And so I'm also wondering then, given that you've had such a diverse career and have had led in many different areas and organizations, what would you say is the difference between leading in the space of green healthcare from maybe some of the other roles that you've had? Oh yeah, <laughs> it's. Uh, I think I was telling my wife it's 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 the most exhilarating and the most challenging role, I've had, right? <laughs> so here's the thing: uh, in a, in the in the public sector, you're concerned about costs and allocating resources and all that, but but you're not that concerned about the revenue side of things. You really, you know, that's sort of looked after. And then when I went into the, the private sector, I realized, oh, you know, you have to think about the revenue side now, right? <laughs> Generating the income. And then when I went into the, the not-for-profit side, I realized, oh, like, it's not like you have a product that you're selling that, you know, then sort of takes off. You actually have to constantly be <laughs> looking for uh, grants or new sources of funding and try, you know, so you really have to be uh, more creative uh, in terms of understanding, you know, the business model and, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the sustainable business model for, for, for our sustainability business, right? It is a, it, it's, a, it's certainly a challenge uh, that way. So um, also, you know, there's, uh, because if, if you're getting uh, grants from the government, you know, there's there's audits and rules that each department or, or uh, each um, government uh, program might have. And then you have your own auditors. And so you have to kind of make sure everything is kind of lined up and, and uh, tied up in a, in a nice bowl, bow for, um, you know, a number of different uh, players. Right? So it's uh, it's certainly challenging because of the, you know, the, the juggling um, and then, of course, getting uh, good good people, uh, and and we've been very fortunate to have a great team, and um, and and part of that is pretty well. Everybody is is really you know uh, prepared to go above and beyond because they, they believe in the work. You know, it's it's values driven work. So um, there's a yeah, it, it is very gratifying in in some ways, but it's also quite challenging. It's a uh you know it's 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 not for the faint of heart by any means but uh, but it's certainly uh, worth it and um and uh yeah i feel i think i'm certainly as happier happier than i've been in in this role and then uh, certainly in in larger um complex bureaucracies you know um where you're there is there's political uh, issues, uh, large and small, and uh, uh, challenges like that. So, yeah, it's certainly different, but it's uh, 
it's a lot of fun. What resonates with me about what you're saying is that part around the impact that you can have in the work that you're doing now. And as you said, there are certainly many, many challenges that come with it. But I definitely hear that satisfaction and that thrill that comes with seeing some of those changes manifest. So to wrap us up, I'm curious to hear from your perspective, how can leaders at all levels start to really address the issues that are in the space of green healthcare? Uh, well, I think you, you basically have to sort of uh, stop and say, okay, well, what is it that I can do? Um, the, the, the interesting thing is that, um, you know, I mean, you, you look at great uh, Thurnberg, you know, who, uh, who just basically took a stand. And I mean, after all, I think that's what leadership really is, is, you know, having some kind of vision or commitment to, to some, something that's sort of beyond yourself and then setting your intention and, and saying, this is, you know, I'm going to step up and, and do something. So the informal leaders, I think, are important and maybe even more important than the formal leaders because they aren't restricted by, you know, the, the, the rules and the regulations of the hierarchies. That, uh, so I think, you know, if you're a nurse working on the front line, um, you know, uh, there, there's all kinds of uh, possibilities. I found, I, I just, uh, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I probably shouldn't be plugging companies, but there is a, a, a company that was started by a nurse uh, that I just found out about the other day that they came up with some sort of patch for covering mattresses, right? And, and they recognize that they can keep, you know, thousands of mattresses out of the landfill if they were properly patched. And many of the, many of the beds are, uh, uh, mattresses on beds are, are not, are not um, safe, you know, that they, they're harboring bugs because they have cracks in them. And, and they came up with a kind of a, a special um, a cover, mattress cover to, to, so it's like, and that was a nurse that sort of thought of that from her own perspective and uh, said, this is a problem and I'm going to, and then, you know, started a company around that. And so I think it's, you know, looking for opportunities where you are and, and being bold about it. I'm amazed at some of the work that students are doing. Uh, Canadian Federation medical students and you know uh, we've done some work with them and and nursing uh, students as well and and they're doing some uh, some really interesting projects so I think it's just recognize where you are and and say well what, what is it that I can do now if you're in a management role or a leadership role then it's it, it's incumbent on you to say well what what kind of uh, message can I send my people and what kind of example can I set as a leader in my area of responsibility. And, and this applies to every hospital department or every organization department in, in healthcare. Housekeeping department is extremely important, you know, environmental services. And uh, so, um, you know, uh, a lot of the folks that have been working in this area, are, you know, they've been in, in the basement, you know, in the, in the physical plan and bringing that work to the boardroom is, is something that I think is, is really important. So um, depending on where you are in the organization, it's really trying to identify what, what can I do and how can I step up. And, and I mean, if you look at our website, um, greenhealthcare.ca, by the way, there's all kinds of resources there as well. 
and there's link, you know, there's all kinds of uh, organizations that are involved with green healthcare. If you just Google, Google that, there's um, Healthcare Without Harm. Uh, there's the NHS uh, uh, Green uh, Group and, and the Nordic Center, et cetera. Um, and Practice Green Health is another in Quebec, SSE, and, and uh, many of the professional organizations, the nurses have a, a Canadian Association of Nurses for the Environment. We have an alliance with them and physicians as well. Canadian College of Health Leaders is very interested in, in this area now. And so uh, there's resources from your professional organizations as well. All really great advice. And I think it's so powerful about what you said around figure out where you're at and what you can do and start there. And what I hear as key to this is practicing a little creativity. So Neil, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today and your perspective and insights. It's been really valuable. And down the road, I'd love to hear you back about how this space of green healthcare is really expanding. My pleasure. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today at Central Line Leadership in Healthcare. Also, if you like what you heard, please head on over to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review. Be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. We'd love to get to know you on social media, so check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.